Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Retired College Athletes Podcast, a podcast designed to inspire and inform the next generation of female college athletes. I'm your host, Sydney Umeri, and today we have a solo cast. The solo casts are where it's just me, I don't interview anybody, but I review the last four episodes and talk about one particular topic. And so, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into this episode, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys on the other side. All right, guys, we are on episode 45, which is crazy. Um, The next solo cast, which will be episode 50, is basically our year mark, which is uh, unbelievable. We would have been doing this for a year. I would have been creating these podcasts for a year, and you guys would have been listening for that long. I'm super appreciative to everyone who has listened from day one and for everyone who has come and joined the party along the way. It's been great, and I'm excited to continue to create awesome content for you. With that said, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. And we're going to start with reviewing the last four podcasts. In this segment of podcasts, all of the guests end up talking about player-coach relationships. It started with Kirsten Sires, who in episode 41 talked about switching sports. Ultimately, she ended up switching sports because she did not see eye to eye with her coach. And that led her to create LRT Sports, which is an organization that she founded that allows athletes to rate their college coaches. In episode 42, we had Christina Nelson on and she talked about accepting your role. Christina is awesome. She played at Notre Dame and had an awesome career, but she talked about how getting to know her coach a little bit better and going in and talking to her helped her better understand what she needed to do to be successful on her team. She talked about how later on in her career, things finally started to click and she started to play more because she accepted her role. And so if you are an athlete that is not super thrilled with the role that you currently have on your team or things just are not going as planned. I think that is an awesome episode for you to go back and listen to. In episode 43, we have the ultimate players coach with Cassie Kadira. Cassie is currently a women's volleyball coach and she was also a former player. She talked about some of the things that she didn't appreciate while she was a student athlete and continues to do her best to make sure that those things are not things that she brings into her team as a coach. And I really appreciate that. And then finally, in episode 44, we had the ultimate student athlete with Courtney Eckmark. She truly is the ultimate student athlete. She won two national championships at UConn, also transferred to ASU, which is closer to home for her. She's from Arizona and got her law degree. Like what? (laughs) I think it's so hard to just do school and then just do sports, but to go after a graduate level degree in law, which I think most people understand that law school is not easy, especially your first year. From what I've heard, I haven't done it. And she did it. She did it while she was playing. And I I cannot commend her enough. I think it's an awesome testament to if you put your mind to it, you can do it and how you need to come in with a plan. And so I think if you want to get the most out of your college athletic career, if you're someone who really loves academics and, and wants to leverage your scholarships to be able to get as much school paid for as possible, I think her episode is a great one to go back and listen to. That's episode 44. All right. So jumping into today's topic, I originally had a completely different topic planned out, had done the research. One thing I want to start doing in addition to answering you guys' questions in these solo podcasts is to dive into bigger topics that require more research. Because I know it can be so confusing, whether you're a recruit and you're just kind of like, I don't know the rules around things and, and it's hard to go find the literature and read it, let alone understand it. 
um, I want to be able to break down those kind of topics. And today we are going over, we're going to be going over the recent Supreme Court ruling on compensation in the NCAA versus Alston court case. This was a big one. This happened last Monday, which was June 21st. There is a lot to kind of unpack. This was a Supreme Court case about compensation of student athletes, but it isn't so much about paying student athletes. It's about making sure that the right resources are available to them. Now, if anybody knows me personally, they know I do not like the NCAA. I am not a fan. I feel like they often fail their student athletes. And I think the Supreme Court case brings to light some of the failures that the organization has had around correctly supporting its student athletes. But we will dive into that a little bit more. Just kind of have some baseline stuff about this case. Alston, who who are they? So it's NCAA versus Alston. Alston is a group of former football players and women's and men's college basketball players that came together to fight against the NCAA in this compensation argument. They were basically fighting under the premise that the NCAA had violated antitrust laws. And so what are antitrust laws? Those are laws that help promote healthy market competition and reduce the opportunity for monopolies to arise. And if you know anything about college athletics, the NCAA feels like a huge monopoly. It's not like there's another version of the NCAA currently that is operating at the same level. There is NAIA, there is the junior college version. And those are all versions of like the NCAA, but they are dealing with different groups of people. There is no other version of the NCAA national tournament. And if there was, that would show that there's a lot more competition in the the market, but there's not. And so the NCAA has a lot of power. And because they have violated these antitrust laws, this is what has happened. The NCAA says that student athletes because they are athletes under the NCAA, cannot be paid for their athletic abilities or name, image, and likeness, which is often known as NIL. You'll see that in a lot of paperwork. But their main argument and what was the issue with this case was that they were arguing that that ruling limited athletes' educational benefits. And that's an issue because Athletes are student athletes, so what is needed for their education should definitely be covered. They were saying that things like laptops um, and other additional expenses, like possible scholarship opportunities, let's say maybe it was studying abroad, things like that, would not be covered under the athletic scholarship. And these are things that are offered to the common student and are part of the tuition that they would pay. And that is a problem that needed to be included. And ultimately what was said, I'm going to quote Supreme Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He said that the NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Wow. Everyone knows that the NCAA is a billion dollar business. I read, I believe in a New York Times article that the president of the NCAA takes home a salary of $4 million. Student athletes cannot be compensated. Schools do make a fair amount of money off of name, image, and likeness. And while that's not what was being fought, this is just kind of a an opportunity to showcase just how much money is involved, why the issue of this antitrust law was such a big deal. And so I'm glad that the Supreme Court justices ruled this nine to one, meaning that the NCAA did not get one vote. So what does this mean for you moving forward? If you are a current student athlete or an aspiring one, this means that you will have access to additional education-related school expenses, which is great. So while there is no literature out on what exactly that may include, 
you can assume that may include opportunities to study abroad during your off season that may be covered fully by your scholarship. You may have an opportunity to get laptops and other technology that you would need to do your schoolwork and things like that. I mean, everyone does school online. We just went through a pandemic. So that is super necessary. That is, that's what happened this week. I want to dive into a little bit of research I did around when student athletes may be able to get paid. Again, the NCAA versus Alston case was not about paying student athletes. It was about providing additional academic resources to them and cutting out the antitrust issues that were going on. But paying student athletes is a completely different conversation. And it's a conversation that's always been going on. I feel like it's been going on for forever, but it's becoming more and more heated, not only just because of what has just happened and how the ugliness, I think, of the NCAA is kind of rearing its head again. But What people don't know is that there are currently seven bills about name, image, and likeness, NIL, that will ultimately help student-athletes get paid, currently going through Congress. Seven completely different bills. And that's a lot. And they all say slightly different things. But I did the research of looking at all of them, reviewing them, and I wanted to give you guys the high points of what you can expect. Ultimately, these have been introduced to the respective floors of where they are in Congress within the past year. We do not know exactly when they're going to be passed. For all of them, when I looked on congress.gov, they had all solely been introduced. No other steps had been taken there in their respective committees to be reviewed and discussed. So I'm just going to go ahead and kind of explain what some of these bills are. And the overlap, the pros and cons, so that you can just be informed about what is coming, especially if you're a recruit. I think the landscape of recruiting is going to be so different. It's already very different. For example, the last time I played was 2017. That is not that long ago. That's four years. (laughs) You know, that's, that's not that long ago. And yet rules around transferring have changed. Rules around recruiting have changed. And this, if this happens things will change drastically. If anything around name, image, and likeness is passed, it will change the landscape of amateur athletics and how the NCAA operates, as well as just general collegiate athletics and how it operates. It will change it drastically. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in. The first bill I want to talk about is the College Athletic Bill of Rights. This is a bill that is currently sponsored by Senator Cory Booker, a Democratic senator from New Jersey, and Representative Janice Schakowsky, a Democratic representative out of Illinois. All of these bills that I'm going to talk about refer to name, image, and likeness, so just keep that in mind. But some of the high points from this bill in particular are that it will allow athletes to take on endorsements. It will allow for revenue sharing, additional medical expense coverage, and greater rights to academic outcomes. Let's dive in. Athletic endorsements. So what does that mean? It means that student athletes will be able to take on endorsement deals from various companies. The thing about this is that student athletes will be able to take on endorsement deals from companies, even if they are competitors or rivals of the deals that their current university have. So how I'm reading into this is that if a student goes to a Nike school and Adidas wants to sponsor them, Adidas can sponsor them and they can take on that endorsement. The only difference is that the student athlete would not be able to wear Adidas to mandatory team events. The only exception is that there is an exception around footwear. Student athletes can wear their endorsed footwear anywhere. They could wear it at a game, which is a mandatory team event, and schools cannot punish them for that, and they are allowed to do so. And so, for example, the student athlete could not wear an Adidas undershirt to a game, but they could wear Adidas shoes. 
And so I feel like this is going to be something that is going to be really mold over in Congress because that is a big deal. Uh, This is the only bill that speaks to endorsements specifically like this. And so that gives student athletes a lot of leverage in finding endorsements that work for them. Revenue sharing. This is huge. Schools will have to distribute commercial sports revenue royalties to covered student athletes. I said covered student athletes. So covered. Unfortunately, there isn't too much language around what is a covered student athlete, but I do not believe that involves all student athletes. Additional medical expense coverage. This is huge. And I really appreciate this part of the bill. It says that there will be a medical trust fund that will begin and student athletes will be able to have injuries that they acquired from their athletic experience covered for up to five years after they become ineligible to play. This also includes any diagnosis that they get after they have stopped playing that were caused by their athletic experience. So often this does include things like CTE. Five years is a long time to have continued health care. I think this is huge because I do know a lot of student athletes that have gotten injured. You know, once you once you finish your sport, you you're done. Like you don't really get any additional help. At least when I was in school, that's how it was. And so to get additional medical expenses paid up to five years after is, is that's a huge benefit. On top of that, there are greater rights to educational outcomes. What does this mean? So this means that any student athlete can maintain their scholarship for as long as it takes for them to graduate, as long as they maintain good academic standing. So they're not in trouble in terms of like cheating and things like that. And they maintain a GPA over 2.2. Also, coaches, anybody who works in the athletic department, volunteers will have no say or no opportunity to persuade student athletes to take a different major or course because of their status as a student athlete. To make sure this gets done, this bill says that all academic resources for student athletes will have to be moved away from the athletic department and into just the general school stuff. So oftentimes you will hear about tutors for athletes or an academic center for athletes. I know I had an academic advisor specifically for my team. And what I would assume out of this is that These will still be in place, but instead of these resources coming specifically out of the athletic department, it will have to come from the school in general. And athletes may be assigned to academic advisors that are also just generally assigned to the general student, which has its pros and cons. Like it is beneficial to have an academic advisor that comes out of the athletic department. But again, there have been issues where you can't take this hard science major because we need you to remain eligible and a lot of people who take it can't remain eligible. And that's a problem. That is the Athletic Bill of Rights. I'm just going to go ahead and name off the other six. The other six are College Athletic Economic Freedom, Amateur Athletics Protection and Compensation Act of 2021, Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act, Collegiate Athlete Compensation Rights Act, Fairness in Collegiate Athletics Act, and a bill to establish collective bargaining rights for college athletes and for other purposes. They all say very similar things. I will say that the College Athletes Bill of Rights, which is the first one I fully went over, is the most comprehensive. But a good example is that all of them are fighting for athletes to get compensation. There are small issues with others, though. And I will point out the Collegiate Athletic Compensation Act says that it will provide additional academic resources with respect to the compensation of an athlete's endorsement. I find that to be problematic because I don't think it should be with respect to the covered compensation. I think it should be 
regardless of the covered compensation, because ultimately an athlete's covered compensation is an add-on. It should not impact what other academic resources that the athlete has or is provided. Another issue that I have is that in a few of these, athletes are required to report their compensation to the institution. Woo. Okay. This I find to be pretty problematic. I do think athletes should report their compensation to an entity that is separate from their academic institution. For a lot of these bills, commissions and entities are going to come up that will regulate these new name, image, and likeness rulings just to make sure that everything is compliant. But I do not think that an athlete should have to report their compensation to the school because the way I think of it is when you get a job and you sign a contract, you don't turn around and then like give your contract to your coworker. <laughs> like oftentimes your coworker has no idea what you're making. And so if the university has no say in the actual ins and outs of an athlete's endorsement, why would an athlete then turn around and give the school the ins and outs of their contract with a with a completely different entity. I think that that's so wrong and schools should be completely removed from it. And the final one, the final issue that I have, and it comes from the College Athlete Economic Freedom Bill, is that the only eligible entities to sponsor student athletes are limited to United States businesses. I have an issue with this. As a child of immigrants, I think that some student athletes that are citizens of the United States, but come from like a background that they're well known in a different country will have issues because companies from those countries may want to sponsor them and they're they're just kind of leaving money on the table. This may apply to a small group of people, but I still want to bring that to light. I know if name, image, and likeness is passed in a bill, it, it really does affect international students, but I do not think that that should stop what is currently going on in the mission to pay student athletes. This was a really dense episode. There was a lot going on. Even, you know, you guys are getting the more refined version of this episode, but I did pause. I did stop. I had to look at look at my notes. It's, it's a lot. But I think in conclusion, what I want to say is that this is good. This is good. Student athletes have a chance of being paid very, very soon. And as someone who I don't benefit from this, it's not like they're going to go and back pay former student athletes. I really do think it's good for the next generation of student athletes to have an opportunity to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I want to also point out that making money off your name, image, and likeness does not only have to do with your athletic ability. If you are an influencer and you happen to play a sport, you can still make money off of your image and likeness, even though it has nothing to do with your sport. For example, the Collegiate Athletic Compensation Rights Act specifically mentions social media compensation, and it shows that student athletes can be paid for social media endorsements. And and that's huge. I think that ultimately that's where the world is going. That's where the world already is. And so I don't want you to think that like you have to be the best athlete to benefit from name, image, and likeness and what will come if these bills do pass or one of these bills passes. If you are in general on social media, if you have a following, if you are speaking on things that have nothing to do with sports, you have an opportunity to make money if these pass. And I think that that's awesome because ultimately it's allowing athletes to generate income in a way that I couldn't when I was an athlete, even if it has nothing to do with your sport. Again, with that said, this was a really dense episode. I will leave some spark notes in the description, also some links to everything that I found. That is going to be kind of a goldmine for you. So if this is something that you're interested in, that you want to get a little bit more research in on, or that you just want the spark notes, I get it. Like it's it's a lot. Uh, feel free to check out the description. I want to hop into housekeeping. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. 
It means so much to me. Like I said at the beginning, we are almost at a year, which is crazy. A year of consistent episodes, a year of you guys listening and supporting, and I I just really appreciate it. If you want to get more involved in our community, feel free to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. So please go check us out over there. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm always there. So feel free to reach out there. And one last thing before you go, if you find this podcast to be informative and helpful, if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy our content, please consider subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it. That is the quickest way for this podcast to grow. That's all I have for today, guys. I hope you have a wonderful week.